Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, a strong and powerful Richard Smith. Richard, are you ready to do this? I'm ready, George. Looking forward to speaking with you and your audience. Yeah, excellent. Let's let's do this. Dr. Richard Smith is the chairman and CEO of the Foundation for the Study of Cycles. He is working to level the playing field for the individual investor. I'm excited to have you on. Richard, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. <laughs> All right. Well, I started uh, <laughs> investing myself 20 years ago. It was the dot-com boom. I was getting my PhD in the mathematics of uncertainty, soon to be christened a doctor of uncertainty because I was helping scientists and researchers be more honest about the uncertainty in their own models, and the dot-com boom was going on. Uh, I put my life savings in the stock market, which uh, thankfully didn't amount to much at the time. (laughs) And I ran my account up about 300% in 12 months and thought, you know, really patting myself on the back. What a smart guy. Must be the PhD. (laughs) And uh, then March 2000 hit. I was about to get married, you know, tell the in-laws, hey, don't worry about it. I got the wedding expenses covered. I'm a real man. And, uh, you know, (laughs) March 2000 hit. And it was like a deer in the headlights, you know. Like, what the heck was going on? You know, in um, 30 days, you know, my uh, all the gains I had accumulated from being such a smart guy were gone and I was flat footed. And I was uh, thankfully I had the common sense to pull the plug when I uh, was back to my original capital base. And uh, that was quite a shock. And that set me off on kind of a quest to understand the markets and apply my background in mathematics and Um, a field called systems science, which is really interesting. And, uh, you know, and then realizing what a data rich environment the markets are and, uh, what a wonderful place to test out your theories because there's a, um, incontrovertible, uh, measurement of success in the markets. So I bet that's what I've been at for 20 years now, kind of starting on my own. Then eventually I launched a website called trade stops, S T O P S dot com in 2005 to track trailing stop losses. It turned into a kind of complete portfolio and risk management solution. And, and, uh, I recently exited that business and I'm in the process of starting some new businesses as well as running a not for profit called the foundation for the study of cycles. I got interested in cycles, um, through my work in the markets using cycles, time cycles to predict, uh, market activities. But I think that there's really something deeper going on with cycles, too, that has to do with kind of our approach to uh, finance and our approach to life. So pretty broad, huh, George? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's 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 a lot of good stuff there. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned when we were talking offline that you were, you were born in Southern California, but you've slowly been moving to smaller and smaller towns. So yeah. are, are you eventually going to be in like a shed in Montana, just 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 kind of you and the dog or what? Well, I am, I have a family, so it won't just be me and the dog, but, uh, and we have a little bit more than a shed, (laughs) Blue Ridge Mountains of Southwest Virginia now. So yeah, that's great. Love it here. Perfect. The mathematics of uncertainty and doctor, doctor uncertainty, doctor uncertainty sounds like the villain from a superhero. 
comic. <laughs> Doctor of uncertainty. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I hear you. But you know that, you know, it's funny. I'm starting a new business. Uh, like I said, it's still incubating, but it's called Risk Smith. Okay. And um, I uh, told my mom that the name of the business was Risk Smith. And she said, oh, you're you're kidding me. What What's real? What's the name of the business? Really? <laughs> and I was like, no, mom, it really is Risk Smith. Uh, she's like, risk, R I S K. And I said, yeah. And she goes, risk isn't good. Mm. And I was like, no, that's exactly the point. Mom, <laughs> risk is good. <laughs> People run away from risk, but you actually shouldn't run away from it. You need to master it. Only in mastering risk is there real, you know, empowerment because everything involves risk. And to pretend like risk doesn't exist, to be in denial about risk, to be in denial about uncertainty is to really, uh, you know, undermine your own success. So that's very tangible in the markets, um, you know, where people are uh, trying to avoid risk at all costs, but they don't even realize what they're doing. You know, the markets are fun. The markets are risk management to me. There would not be the markets if risk didn't need to be managed. People go to the markets, businesses go to the markets for risk mitigation <laughs> and mm -hmm. for capital. So, um, so that's kind of my mission to help people really embrace risk and approach it, you know, in an, in an intelligent and, um, constructive way. And it's not that hard, you know, this isn't rocket science. The, 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 uh, the basics of risk management have been known for a long time. And uh, people just need to be able to think a little bit more in terms of probabilities and a little bit less in terms of absolutes. I oh, appreciate that. So we're having this conversation on June 8th, just to give somebody, mm -hmm. give everybody sort of a, <clears throat> sort of the level set there. Um, yeah. So how, how do, how does, how, how do people screw this up then? How, how, <laughs> how, how do they mis, misuse or, 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 or fail to look at risk appropriately? Let me go back to my first really deep pro uh, behavioral insight. Okay. So I, I mentioned that I started this, I started in this business with a website called tradestops.com and we were tracking trailing stop losses on U.S. stocks. You know what a trailing stop loss is? I would not be able to successfully define it. So, you know, you buy a stock at $100 and you use a 25% trailing stop loss. That means you're going to sell the stock if it falls straight down to $75 without ever going higher than $100. But if it goes up to $200 um, and it hasn't fallen more than 25% from the high price, then your stop loss is now 25% below your, your high point of profit at $200. So be your stop loss would be at $150. So that's called the trailing stop loss. The, the, the stop loss kind of trails your prop, your highest point of profit. So I was doing these trailing stop loss alerts for individual investors. And then I realized, um, why trailing stops made such a big difference in the decision making of individual investors. Um, because I was back testing mechanical trailing stop loss exit strategies against people's actual investment decisions. And it almost always improved things, right? So buy the same stocks, the same amount of stocks at the exact same time, but only sell if you hit a mechanical trailing stop loss exit. Hmm. Okay. 
So buy a stock, put a 25% trailing stop on it. Don't sell it until you hit that stop. Okay. Okay. Pretty simple, right? Yes. And I apply it to my own portfolio and I would have, <laughs> you know, back the one where I ran it up 300% and then back to zero in a, you know, in a 10th of the time. And, uh, and I would have gotten out of the markets with 150% gains instead of riding it all the way back to zero. Mm-hmm. So, and I saw that in literally hundreds of portfolios that I back tested and I went, what the heck is going on here? So eventually I connected it to two Nobel prizes in economics. Daniel Kahneman um, recently wrote uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, his work was popularized by Michael Lewis in Moneyball and, uh, and then The Undoing Project, one of Michael Lewis's more recent books, Kahneman and Tversky. And then recently, Kahneman student Richard Thaler, he's at MIT, he works with Sun Casting on choice architecture, et cetera. Um, both of these guys got Nobel Prizes for pointing out that we hate to lose. Nice. Okay. So um, the fact that we hate to lose has different implications depending on if we're losing on an investment or if we're winning. When we're losing and money's at stake, right, uh, we become risk-seeking because we don't want to take the loss. We don't want to sell. Let me know if this sounds familiar. George. Sure. Oh, oh, a thousand percent. I was just going through right, scenarios so, in my mind. Yep. And what do we do instead of sell? We double down. We say, well, you know, my my original plans weren't aren't really that smart. Let me redefine uh, my definition of success here. So um, one of my favorites was uh, one of my subscribers who was a um, by the way, he was an explosives engineer at uh, Lawrence Livermore Labs at Berkeley, which was my alma mater. And, uh, um, you know, so obviously an intelligent guy, right? But he had bought a stock that had basically gone from being, you know, $10 stock to being a penny stock. And he said, yeah, I'm going to give that one to my grandkids, right? So anything but sell for a loss. Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I didn't lose my grand. I, you know, I haven't made money yet, but my grandkids are going to make money on it. They're going to be rich. They're going to be rich. Right. So that's like, that is how we think, man. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it doesn't matter if you are, uh, have a high IQ or not. In fact, the higher your IQ, the better you are at making up stories to rationalize essentially emotional decisions. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> um, so we don't want to sell when we're losing because we don't want to take the loss. So we are risk seeking when we're losing. We take on more risk. Now, conversely, when we're winning, our fear of loss attaches itself to our profits and we become fearful of losing our profits. So what does that make us want to do? Sell. Exactly. It makes us want to sell. So when we're losing, we have a mechanism for um, not selling. And when we're winning, we have a mechanism for selling. Okay. We have a bias, a behavioral bias. Now, couple that with the fact that markets have momentum. Things that are going up tend to keep going up. Things that are going down tend to keep going down. And the remark- markets can remain irrational longer than we can remain solvent. Right. Mm-hmm. That was a famous quote from John Maynard Keynes. So, Um, markets can do crazy things and because of our behavioral bias of being risk seeking when we're losing and risk averse when we're winning, when the markets go nuts, 
we just get victimized on the downside, on the losses. And we don't have what I call irrational profits. We don't have our profits completely blowing our minds, defying logic, right? We have our losses blowing our minds and defying logic, but we don't have the corresponding gains that offset those losses. You know, if you have a 90% loss, it takes a 1000% gain to recover from that 90% loss. Right. Doesn't, it's not a 90% gain. It's a thousand percent gain. You know what they call an 80%? Uh, no, it's, right. You know what they call a 90% loss? It's I a don't. stock that was down 80% and then fell in half. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'll stop there. That's basically my soapbox, but it's serious stuff for anybody who's making decisions about their own money. So let me just stop there, see if, you know, uh, you have questions that you no, think your I, audience might appreciate. I, I certainly appreciate And if any of this is sounding familiar and resonating. Yeah. Well, any, anybody that's uh, that's ever bought individual investments, I think, can probably can probably uh, identify with that 100%. I, I certainly know that I can. So, all right. So, so how do we, how do we kick our brains out of the driver's seat? How do we, is, is, is it possible to automate yeah. this or just to, 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 to remove behavior from it? I think it's possible to use technology to overcome, um, the simplest level of behavioral biases, you know, like being risk seeking when you're losing and risk averse when you're winning. So, you know, I just explained it to you. I've explained it to thousands of people and everybody agrees that this is what's happening. Right. <laughs> so, um, so there's no mystery to it. There's no surprise there. Um, now, do you know, uh, so there's this guy, there's a, a hedge fund founder. His name is Cliff Asnes. Um, he runs advanced quantitative research, AQR. He got his PhD dissertation at the University of, I mean, he got his PhD at the University of Chicago under one of the efficient market hypothesis guys, maybe Fama, Fama. And um, he convinced uh, uh, Eugene Fama that momentum was a factor in the markets, that momentum existed, that there were some inefficiencies in the markets and momentum was one of them, right? And he proved it to the efficient market hypothesis guy and got his PhD dissertation. So, um, you know, he went on to kind of establish what's called factor-based investing. So using factors that are um, kind of proven inefficiencies in the markets that can generate alpha, like momentum and value and volatility and market capitalization. And uh, he said, you know, I used to think that investing was about genius. But now I think it's about doing something that makes sense and doing it consistently, you know, through thick and thin, <laughs> essentially, right? So to me, consistency is the goal, right? Find something that works for you and do it consistently. And... So that's where I think technology can um, support us in being consistent. And I think that it has a lot of parallels with how technology is helping people in health and nutrition these days. You know, basically supporting good habits. How do we use technology to form and support good habits um, that help us achieve our long-term goals like good health and good wealth? 
And I think that health and wealth are um, very, you know, much more closely connected than people really realize. Um, you know, of course, there's the truism that wealth doesn't matter without good health. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think that they're both behavioral based um, challenges. So that's what I'm personally interested in. You know, I think that we can use technology. And when I say that, I mean both software, um, but I also mean algorithms uh, to kind of support us in the the journey and the habits towards um, uh, good health and good wealth. Oh, I appreciate so that. So that's what I'm working on personally <laughs> myself. You know, I'm building new technology. Um, it's probably be ready in the fall uh, under our new company called Risk Smith. Yes, mom, it's really called Risk Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And, um, and, uh, you know, coupling that with education. So, you know, I have a, if people want to learn more about me and my work, um, I have a website, richardmsmith.com. That's currently the best resource of information. Excellent. So when you say something, doing something that makes sense through thick and thin, would that be, can you give me some examples of that? Well, I think that, Anytime you have a market crisis going on, like what we have right now, for example, um, you know, what I experienced in March of 2000, what everybody experienced in 2008, those are hard times to hold your own and people end up, you know, really making um, some poor decisions that can be quite devastating. Um, And so, you know, having a system that you execute on consistently, even through tough times, um, you know, that's where I think that, uh, the winners are separated from the losers. So, um, you know, take the recent market downturn in February and March, right? Um, so I think the people that have come out winners out of that are people who, you know, didn't, put all their money in the market (laughs) leading into, you know, 2019 and early 2020 and had some capital to, uh, actually buy during the downturns. Right. So, um, so that's tough to do, right? Because you don't know where the bottom is. You don't, you know, and, and the media is completely, um, you know, scaring the lights out of everybody, the daylights out of us. Right. Um, they're in the business of commanding our attention and getting our attention. So they put the most, uh, attention grabbing headlines out there and everybody thinks the end of the world is upon us. And, you know, that's been proven over and over again to not be the case. The end of the world is not upon us when the media says it is. And, um, so it's tough to be buying um, when everybody else is running for the exits, but, uh, you know, we have to be able to, uh, buy into dips and sell into rallies. And unfortunately, you know, most people sell into dips and buy into rallies. So, um, I think that's, a a good illustration of the challenges of investing and the consistency, you know, uh, that we need to achieve. I love it. Well, Richard, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Um, well, 
I would say that uh, always remember, like if you're going to write one thing out and, and put it in front of you when you're making <laughs> financial decisions, remember that people tend to be risk-seeking with losses and risk-averse with gains. So be risk-averse with your losses and risk-seeking with your gains. Well, that is great stuff that definitely gets Come on. Come on. And Richard, thank you for coming on. Give us the website where people can find you again. Uh, RichardMSmith.com. And uh, I'd also just like to give a little shout out, if I may, George, to an event uh, that the Foundation for the Study of Cycles is hosting. Uh, you can learn more about it at events.cycles.org. It's a completely free uh, week-long seminar on financial cycles. So some very leading lights uh, in the financial cycles world, including Jake Bernstein, Larry Williams, Jeffrey Hirsch, and about half a dozen others are all presenting over the course of one week at an online summit, and people can learn more at events.cycles.org. And it's a not-for-profit. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Richard your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to richardmsmith.com and then check out the upcoming summit at events.cycles.org. I'll list both those in the notes of the show. Thank you Thank again, you Richard. Thank you so much, George. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And Take care. You too. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out and go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.